You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlett. Amen. As Dean, as Pastor Dean mentioned a little bit earlier, today's a little bit of a different Sunday. It's Communion Sunday, something we haven't done traditionally often in the past because we've celebrated the Lord's Supper on Wednesday nights for worship. Uh, But in looking at our calendar, we wanted to make sure that, can I just tell you as a pastor, I think that if I was to ask you, do you feel like your life is complicated? Do you feel like your life is busy? Do you feel like you have a lot of stuff going on? More than likely, the majority of you would say yes. And one of the things that we get to do as Christians, the privilege that we have is to pause, to take a moment in our life and to not be in a hurry and to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. The worship team is gonna come up at the end of today's service and lead us again to be able to praise the name of Jesus. But my hope for you is this next little window of time in your life that you would not be in a hurry. Now, If you're online or maybe you're actually listening to this on a podcast, I want you to know that you can join us in celebrating the Lord's Supper as well. Find some bread, find a cracker, some grape juice, and when it comes time, you can also do this from wherever you are listening or watching this. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever learned to juggle in your life? It's kind of a random question, I guess. Maybe some of you could do this instinctively or naturally, but uh, this morning I got some tennis balls from Walmart, and let's see, one... Let's see, without dropping it, that's pretty easy. Two, that's a little bit harder. Um, It's a little bit, you know, you can do this. Oh, hold on, that was embarrassed. Oh, sorry, Gabe, we don't need that one. Everything's fine, everything's fine. So two again, okay, a little bit better. Let's see, three. Oh, hold on, Uh uh-oh, all right. Y'all didn't know, y'all didn't know. Four? Y'all are like, you surprised us with three. Oh, all right, thank you. All right, please, worship team, don't trip on these when you come back up later. All right. I'm gonna leave those randomly on stage and you're gonna be looking at them the whole time driving you nuts. Anyway. Or you know what, I'm gonna get them, because I can could, I could see your eyes are gonna be locked in the whole time. You're gonna be like, who's gonna trip on that? What's gonna happen? The reason often why we feel like things are busy and complicated is because we're juggling a lot of different things. We have a tremendous amount of things that we're trying to process, figure out, navigate through, and this is just the way life is. Here's the deal, though. We are not human doings. That's not who we are. We are human beings. My prayer in this next little bit is that you would take all the things that you've been juggling in your mind, you would slow down. You would take a deep breath. I don't have anything that I need for you to do, but I do hope that this morning you will pause long enough to know Jesus. And I know that you know him. A lot of you have believed in him. A lot of you have trusted in him. But my prayer is that today you would reconnect with him. If it's been a little while since you've talked with him, then you would slow down. 
Put the juggling act away for a moment. Forget the list, forget the to-dos, forget the things you have to figure out because the thing that you need most is not doing, it's being. It's sitting still for a moment in your life and reconnecting with the one who created you and made you, the one who knows you from beginning to end. And so today on Communion Sunday, that's exactly what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a pause, we're gonna stop juggling, we're gonna stop trying to figure all the things out and we're just gonna allow ourselves to be in his presence, to spend time with him. Here's the beautiful thing about God is this. Let me give you two words that describe who God is and, and, and how God navigates and works with us. Two words, and that's the title of the message, is light and grace. That God brings light into our life and he also fills our life with grace. Two words which are unbelievably important and so life-altering and changing. Here's a passage of scripture that a lot of us maybe know. I've used this a lot when I preach. It's one of my favorites. It says this in John 1, 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. When the Bible describes what God is like, it describes God as light. In fact, Jesus himself said this. He said, I am the light of the world. The Bible also says this, is that God is full of light and in him there is no darkness at all. And so when it talks about who God is, it talks about it in light. And certainly, if you've been a Christian for a while, if you've been in the church for a period of time, then you know this light that shines in the darkness and the darkness can't overcome it is a powerful, epic, incredible thing. And at Easter, we celebrate what Christ did for us, his death and then resurrection, and it feels incredible. In fact, human history is divided down the middle between before Christ and after death. This one act transforms and is so powerful that anybody in any language, in any place in the world, anybody who says the name of Jesus has instant access to God. Anybody who asks for forgiveness, the Bible says that God hears their prayers and forgives. This is epic and grandiose. It's incredible that light can shine and the darkness cannot overcome it. It is massive and it is awesome. And certainly it is those things. But what I wanna do is for a second is this. Sometimes when things are epic, sometimes when things are grandiose, we can sometimes detach ourselves from the bigness of all of it. And the thing that I know about God is this, is that God is both epic, but he's also very, very personal. So here's my thought for us this morning, ready? When it talks about light shining in the darkness, I wanna actually, here, here, here's this very simple thought. I wanna bring this personal down to where you and I are, ready? It's not just that his light shines in the darkness, it's that his light shines in our darkness. And this is, we're gonna have a moment of reflection, of, of asking ourselves for a second, because it's not just that God shines a light. Yes, it's epic. Yes, it's worldwide. Yes, it's once and done for all. But it's actually deeply personal. It's deeply down to who you and I are in this room. It's that he shines a light into our darkness. And I found as a Christian, there's two extremes. Most people walk around feeling like, well, I'm a good person. And the, the reason we quote we're a good person is we say all the things that we haven't done wrong. And almost always, well, I'm a good person. I've never murdered anybody. Have you ever heard that? I've, like, I haven't done that many bad things. I've never killed anybody. I'm glad that the one commandment that you think qualifies you as not a good person is that you didn't murder anybody. I also see the 
other extreme of people who wander around and constantly feel shame and guilt. So let's just stop for a moment and realize that a deeply personal God knows everything about us. All of us, the Bible says, are sinners. All of us have darkness. I preached on Easter Sunday. Here is a massive day for Renovation Church here in Greenville. Here and in Greenville as well is an awesome day. And then the week after that, we had a planned family vacation at the beach. And while I was at the beach resting and relaxing and spending time with my family, we went to Carolina Beach in North Carolina. And I took my son to breakfast, my 10-year-old son to breakfast. We went, we had a good breakfast. We're driving back and it was a 25-mile-an-hour zone and I had, I had moved over from the right lane over to the, because it was a right-hand turn only and I needed to go straight, and so I moved over. When I did that, I didn't cut anybody off, but there was a guy who was trying to go a lot faster. I was going, by the way, not 25 miles an hour. I was going a little bit more than that, so it wasn't like I was going slow already. And when I moved over, the guy behind me, I could see him begin to get frustrated, and I saw hand gestures and signs behind me, and I have my 10-year-old son, so immediately I'm mad. I'm like, and he looks, <clears throat> like he was driving a Lexus, I gotta say that first, and I was, I was in my parent's Honda, and I'm in my little parent's Honda, and he pulls up right behind me, and my 10-year-old son's next to me, and I see hand motions like this, so I slow the car down even slower, <laughs> and I start clapping at him in my rear view mirror, and that didn't go well. So then he starts honking. He's a retired gentleman whose wife has the biggest glasses I've ever seen and she's just staring out the window and he starts gesturing at me. So then I start, I start gesturing back, not. And we're going on a 25 mile an hour lane. And I'm saying to myself, how slow can I get my Honda to go? And I start slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. You would not be proud of me. And then I think to myself, I have my 10 year old son next to me. And then I'm like, what if he follows me to the house and we get into a fight and I have to punch a guy right in the face? <laughs> and immediately, immediately God just convicted me and I'm like, so then I just, what am I gonna do? I, 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 I began to go more the speed limit and, and the guy turned away and I moved on and I got to the house and I thought, what? What happened to me? What, what triggered something inside of me that I just wanted to punch this guy? So, can we just, that's, a, that's silly, but let's just, can we just, all of us have some darkness in our life. All, there's, in this room, there's greed. In this room, there's lust. You know what, people said that Jesus came to make things easier because of what he did for us, and absolutely, he gave his life, but do you know this? The commandment says, do not commit adultery with another woman. But you know what Jesus said? If you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery with her. He actually made it harder. And in this room, there's lust. In this room, there's jealousy. The wishing, hey, I wish my spouse could be more like that spouse. I wish my finances could be more like that. We have all these things that make us feel incomplete on some levels. And so when you read a verse like, his light shines in the darkness, it feels epic. We can detach ourselves from that. Can we bring this down to the personal level where all of us are right now? His light shines in our darkness. Into our anger, 
into our sin, into our thoughts. That's where his light shines. And in this moment of honesty, and by the way, honesty is critical for all of us in this room because how can God work in us if we're not honest about things? In this honesty, there's a question I want us to ask. Ready? It's simply this. It's a question, and it goes like this. It's actually by Paul in in Romans chapter seven, but he asks this question. He says this, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And in Romans seven, he's arguing back and forth with himself. He says, the things that I wanna do, I don't do, and the things that I don't wanna do, I seem to do all the time, and I'm so frustrated all the time, and he feels hopeless at the thought of, he can't, he's not enough. Who will free me from this life of sin and death? And it's a real sincere question. Now, in order to really integrate ourselves and to be able to participate in the Lord's Supper, let's go back to the beginning in Genesis after God created everything. He, he, he made Adam and Eve and he, he told them, listen, you, you can have everything you want but you can't have of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then you know the story. They eat of the tree Sin enters into the world. And if you read in Genesis chapter three, it says this, that God begins walking and trying to find them. And he he asks the question, where are you, Adam? Where are you, Eve? Now, they walked with God unhindered before this. There was nothing separating them and God. They were in constant communion and constant relationship. There was no brokenness that had entered into the world. There was no sin that was there. It was just amazing paradise, relationship, everything unhindered, access to God. And here all of a sudden, because of sin entering into the world, for the first time ever, Adam and Eve, what does it say? It says that they're hiding. And God says, what are you doing? And it says, we are afraid. And then it says, we realized that we were naked and so we hid. Ready? Fear and shame. And today, all of us in this room, in some way, shape, form, or another, we hide. Some are better at hiding than others. We deceive, we put on pretenses, we act like things are okay when sometimes they're not, we lie. And in a lot of ways, when fear and shame entered into the world, it transformed how you and I operate and then sin goes into the world and everything changes and becomes broken. And so that's where Paul asks this question. He says this, who can free me from this brokenness that is the world? Who, who, is there anybody out there that can change the story? Because in my darkness, in my thoughts and in the way I operate and how I live and how I navigate through life, is there anybody who can come to where I am and tell me that there's a better way? It's an amazing question. And so that's where, two quick thoughts, by the way. Real change is not found in behavior modification. When it comes to understanding and connecting, the goal of Christianity is not just to become a nice person, to not not do bad things. Wait, wait, I just said do bad things. (laughs) To not do bad things. The goal of Christianity is not behavior modification. Ready, real change is found in spiritual transformation. Again, we're not human doings, we are human beings. So in Ephesians chapter two, Paul writes in the church of Ephesus and it's these verses. And I want you to read these because they're gonna speak to us today, ready? And he starts off chapter two by saying this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins 
in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind. And we and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, but God, being rich in mercy and because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And when and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the, by the way, let me just tell you what that means. That means you don't have to be at, at a distance from God. When he seats you at heavenly places, you have a seat at the table. You are, have a seat at the table. And he raised us up with him and seated us in heavenly places with, in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works in which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them again. What an amazing passage of scripture. So God is light and he shines it in our darkness. And when he shines his light in our darkness, how does he do it? He does it with grace. And this grace transforms the way we see ourselves. This grace brings light into areas of our life. This grace erases a past filled with fear and shame. This grace is unearned, unmerited. We couldn't do anything to be able to deserve it because what God did for us, we could never do for ourselves. It is given to us by God who loves us where we are. This grace is one of the most beautiful things all of us in this room. Whenever you experience grace, truly experience grace, that God doesn't just love you, he also likes you. And that for all those, listen, we are great at finding the darkness in others and pointing out where others have faults. But today is about you and where you are with God. And when he shines his light into your darkness, the Bible says that his grace also comes with it. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't say, get out from me. He likes you and he loves you. And light can be harsh. It can, it can expose things. It, things can feel embarrassed. So, so, so let, me, let me give you a thought. Ready? What's beautiful about this grace. Let me give you a very simple thought. The grace that saves us is also the grace that changes us. See, grace isn't just at the moment where we give our lives to Christ. Grace is actually for the rest of our lives because God's grace is unending. Now, God's grace is not a permission slip to do whatever we wanna do. That's not how God's grace works. But God's grace is meant so that when we do something we know we shouldn't have done, when we come before God, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive them. And so we experience God giving us this unmerited grace. It's unbelievable and it's absolutely beautiful. And his grace, the Bible says, is sufficient. Even when we are weak, he is strong. 
So back to the Garden of Eden, Genesis. If you read it, God created everything. And then God had two trees in the garden that were special. Tree number one was the tree of life. Tree number two is the tree of knowledge. And you would know that as a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it was the tree of knowledge at which God told them not to eat. And, and, and it's the tree from which they ate. And the moment that they ate that and sin came into the world, God did something. And you can read it in Genesis. God said, okay, I'm going to banish you from this paradise because I can't have you eating of the tree of life. Now that sounds like God being mean or Sounds like God being harsh, but here's why God banished them. He didn't want them in their fallen state to go and eat of the tree of life because where the fallen state put us was in a place of devastation and brokenness. So God's act of removing Adam and Eve from the garden was actually an act of grace and love because in their sin, had they eaten of the tree of life, it would have had devastating consequences. And then if you go to Genesis 3, God actually puts a plan in place. You know what God says in Genesis 3? I'm sending somebody who's actually gonna make things right again. That when sin entered into the world, this person who I'm gonna send, and we know is Jesus, is gonna redeem and put a plan in place to buy things back. You see, when sin entered into the world, darkness came into the world. And this darkness, which all of us have experienced in our own thoughts, in our own life, is a real thing. And oftentimes, at night when we put our head on the pillow, when we begin to, and Thor, you can go ahead and begin turning the lights down. Darkness is something that impacts all of us. Now, when I was in high school, in, my, in between my junior and senior year of high school, I participated in something called a high adventure camp with my church. Now, we did these crazy things. We went whitewater rafting. We did a bunch of just different fun things. One of the things that we did is we went caving or spelunking in West Virginia. Now, we didn't get a tour guide our youth pastor, who was like early 20s at the time, said he could help us do it without getting a tour guide. And the youth workers, it sounds like an awesome situation. And so, I don't even, this is in the late 90s, by the way. I don't even think we signed waivers for this camp. But he had been before, and in this cave in West Virginia, by the way, if you've never been into a cave before, and this is kind of bright in here. If you've ever been to a cave, it can be so dark, you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And so, we go down there and this cave in West Virginia, there's a place called the Mud Room where you have to submerge yourself in water and you get into this room in which you can put mud on this pillar and it's like this whole big epic thing. It's several hours to get to. You have to contort your body in several tight spaces. And then again, you have to submerge your body in water. Now in a cave, not only is it dark, but it's a lot colder and the water in a cave is freezing. And so there was like 30 of us. Some of the people didn't go down with us and so some people stayed behind. And so the 30 of us who went, we, we went in, we, we got to the mud room in this little tight space. We were able to, this, this room that was, again, you had to get to really hard to get to. We put mud on this pillar, which is what the mud room was about. It was epic. And then we're leaving the mud room. And there was this really tight spot after we had passed the water stuff in this rock place that we were getting through. And all of us got through it except for the last guy got his leg stuck. Kid's name was Josh. By the way, he was skinny as all get out too. He was also very tall. He got his leg stuck. 
And at first, we're sitting there just hanging out with our flashlights on and it wasn't a big deal. And, and they couldn't get his leg unstuck. And he was the last one through. There was no one behind him. He couldn't get his leg unstuck. Couldn't get his leg unstuck. And one hour turned into two, which turned into three. And we were soaking wet from having been in the mudroom, wet as all get out. And then, as three hours turned into four, flashlights started dying. And you could hear Josh in the cave begin to panic and scream and cry. And you could hear him just say, just break my leg, just break my leg and pull me out. And we had no idea how to actually get out of this situation. And the flashlights started going out and darkness filled the, darkness just began to come in and you could see flashlights begin to flicker. And we began to say to ourselves, who who can get us out of this? And eventually, one of, the, one of the youth workers, his name was John Johnson, this dude was the beast of beasts, managed to get, find a way to get behind and release Josh's ankle to get, a, get him free from the cave experience, and he got out. But hypothermia had begun to, uh, to begin to sink into all of us in the room. And then I remember when it felt like all was lost, we heard in the distance some voices, and then we saw some flashlights. It was the youth workers and some of the students who had stayed waiting for us got concerned because we hadn't come out and didn't come out. And what we saw coming at a distance was a light. And the moment that we saw the light, those of us that were wondering, are we ever gonna be able to get out of this? When we saw the light, we said, someone is coming to where we are. And it was this epic moment. I mean, it felt like a movie scene and they came to where we were. They said, we've been searching for you. We couldn't find you, but now we found you. And when this light would shine, and I remember vividly, as the lights began to go out, we had to say, well, how are we gonna get out of the cave? Well, the people who had came in, they came in with lights and they, they said, listen, you don't necessarily have to know the way, but if you just, and I remember the person, my flashlight was gone. They said, listen, if you hold on to the back of my shirt and you step where I step and you go where I go, then I will lead you out of the cave. And I said, I can do that. Because they had the light. And then what we did is, one by one, all of us, and it took a while, got out of this cave. And I remember when we burst out of the cave, I said to myself, it was like the scene from Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> but I'll never forget the moment where it was so dark and light came bursting through. Can you turn the lights up, Thor? A light shines in the darkness. It shines to where you and I are. And do you know how he shines his light? When God shines his light into your life, he does it with grace. He sees every thought you've ever had, everything you've ever done. And you know what he says? He just says, I love you. And you know what's beautiful about this? You know what's beautiful as we reflect on this? Two things, really. We can know why God did this. Why did he do it? Why? Because he loves us. We think that God's love for us is based on the fact that we have to be lovable. Can I tell you something? God loves us because he is love. We can know why God did it. But not only that, not only, do we, not only can we know why God did it, we, we can also understand why we are here. 
It says that God did this to transform us because he has a plan for our life. So this light that shines in our darkness, not only does it forgive us of our past and, and, and love us and redeem us and show us a way to be able to live into the future, but God's love actually tells us why we were put on earth to begin with. So for those who feel angry and ashamed and hidden, you know what God says? I have a plan for your life and your past mistakes don't determine what you're gonna do in the future because I can set you free, I can shape your future, I can transform you. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or what's happened to you because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it because his grace is unmatched and unmerited and unearned. But we're so busy juggling so many things that we don't stop for just a moment to realize that his light wants to shine in our darkness to tell us why we are here and what his plan is. Let me give you another thing, ready? We can understand how. We can understand how. Because of Christ and what he did for us, once and for all on the cross, we can pause, we can reflect, and we can say, because of Jesus, we now have a way to be made right. And remember when God was walking in the garden and he says, what are you doing? That same God walks around all the time and he asks us, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? And he shines this light into our life. And because of what he did for us, it's no, we're no longer in the old covenant, we're no longer in the old testament. Because of what he did for us, we understand how, because of Christ, because it's grace unearned, unmerited. It's what Christ did that we can be brought back with him. That the darkness in our life can be forgiven, that we can be renewed and made right. Not because of us, but because of him. So here's that question from Paul again, ready? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul asks. And then Paul answers his own question, ready? Thank God the answer is Christ Jesus our Lord. So the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So what we're gonna do now is I'm gonna, we're gonna pause for a second. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes where you are. The worship team's gonna come back on stage. And where you are, and we're not gonna be in a hurry. I want you to not juggle anything right now. I want you to be honest between you and the Lord. We get a chance to participate in the Lord's Supper and it's a remembrance of what Christ has done for us. So instead of doing right now, can you just be with him? Can you just be? That this light shines in your darkness and in my darkness. And when his light shines in our darkness, he doesn't reject us. And even though we might feel shame and even though we might feel anger, maybe pride, his light shines in our darkness. And he doesn't reject us, but he embraces us and he loves us and he has a plan for us and he redeems us. That's why his body was broken and his blood was shed so that he could bring us back, give us a seat at the table that what was stolen when sin entered into the world could be brought back so that the relationship could be made right. So all the things that cause strife and anxiety and, 
and brokenness in the world that when we come back to the one who made us redeemed and forgiven and made new, that we as Christians have something significant to celebrate. We are made right, not by us, but by God's grace. So I'm gonna give you a little bit of time where you are to be honest with the Lord, to reflect before we celebrate the Lord's Supper. I want you to allow his light to shine in your life. heads are bowed and eyes are closed I'm just going to say a prayer over us dear Heavenly Father you came for us because you love us and you never shine your light to expose us or to shame us you only shine your light to lead us into a better way of living you only shine your light to redeem us and to tell us that you have a plan and a purpose for us. You only shine your light to heal us from the wounds of unforgiveness, from bitterness, from entitlement, from selfish living, from jealousy, from anger, from greed. You only shine your light, Lord, that we might be set free from the things that bind, whatever addiction might carry us, from the power of lust over our thoughts. Lord, you shine your light so that you could remind us that we were made for a reason and for a purpose. You shine your light that we might be made new and that in our life, it doesn't have to be just about juggling and striving and doing that life is about relationship with you and that you bring us back to yourself. And today, as we spend time reflecting, God, we pray, I pray that your light would speak to us in our, where, we, where we are. That as we get ready to participate in, in, in Lord, what you've asked us to do, remember the sacrifice that you made that God, that we would not take it lightly, but we would take it wholeheartedly, thanking you for what you've done, because what you have done means we are set free. No longer have to live in shame or anger, no longer have to be embarrassed by, no longer have to be under the hand of death and of sin. We can be made new, made right, forgiven, redeemed, alive because of you.
So we thank you, Jesus, in your holy, precious name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand where you are. We're going to get a chance to celebrate the Lord's Supper. If you have your cups, I want to ask you to open up the wafer part first. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he says this in Corinthians chapter 11. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. I want, I don't know who this is for, but I think there's someone out there that's saying, God, what have you ever done for me? You do a lot of things for other people. What have you ever done for me? And I want you to, I'm gonna read this line one more time. This is my body, which is for you. If you ever have wondered, does God do anything for you? This is my body, which is for you. It's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember what he did for us today. And if you can open up the juice side. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. My covenant of the new blood made right, made new. Do this as often as you drink it. Do it in remembrance of me. Let's drink. And let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you because there is no one who is like you. Because of the light that you shined, the light that created everything also came to where we were and rescued us where we were and brought us out into life. And your, your sacrifice, your, when we get a chance to remember what you've done for us, isn't just about where we've gone wrong. Lord, it's, it's also about how you've set us free. We get the chance to celebrate what you've done. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Lord, because of what you have done for us, that our darkness doesn't have to stay that way. Lord, that we don't have to live where we have been. Lord, that the things of the, the past don't have to define where we go because of your light and because of your life and because of what you have done, we get a chance, Lord, to be reminded, to be redeemed and to celebrate you. We thank you, Jesus, today. We honor you, Jesus, today. We remember what you have done today. May we lift up your name in your holy, precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at the Renovation. Church.